Hey there, world changers. Thanks for taking the time to listen in to me talking straight from the heart about what has been on my mind for the week. And today I wanted to talk about this concept of an idea being just a hypothesis. Now, people book me for these idea storming calls where we chat for 90 minutes about what they've been working on. The mistake that people make is that they come up with this idea and they get so involved in the idea and then they they design up the idea, they put money into the idea and they're not really thinking that this idea is it's just a hypothesis for change. And so we really need to be testing the hypothesis and going through this rapid process of of iteration to really find out what the causal mechanism is and start testing it. I got inspired to record this podcast today because I just had a call with an interesting guy called Christian Segerstrale. He is a, I hope I said his name right, that could be really embarrassing if I, um, if I said it the wrong, the wrong way, all these different names. He has built multiple game companies. I think he's shipped something like a hundred different titles, and some of the games have been very successful and sold as like you know multi-million, billion-dollar dollar companies. And he's quite deeply thoughtful about the process of how to really create products that people love, that are really going to create engagement and drive action, and all of those subtle nuances that you really, really need to get right and really be really talented about to have a game that people love to play and want to spend money on. The best way to approach this conversation is to put it into two buckets or two branches. Now, the first bucket or branch is the way that we tend to do it in environmental engineering or anything that has a government contract, or especially when it's your first time working on a piece of software or an app or a game or something like that, which is we come up with the idea, we spend all this time thinking about it and designing it and working working on it and kind of do it in a vacuum or a bubble. Whether it's your first time doing something and that's the way you're naturally doing it. But it also happens on big government contracts where they'll create a $100,000 grant. They'll ask for RFPs. They give the chunk of money to the consultant and then they build it. And they do it all kind of in this pipeline that's not really testing and engaging it with people. It's not iterative. It's just one big chunk or one big waterfall of a process. And then they ship the product to whatever it is, the government department, and then it just sits there and it doesn't grow, it doesn't iterate, it's not evolving. And then at some point, you know, a year or two or three later, the server crashes and it kind of goes down and nobody has a budget for it. And then everybody complains. This is why government software is so terrible. It's so terrible. Why can't government do it properly? Because they fail at this fundamental process of this human-centered iterative design process that is core to good quality software and to game design. Now, the second way of doing it, the way that we really need to do it to make it work is to be highly iterative and to understand this concept that your ideas are just hypotheses, right? Whether it's like a big hypothesis for what's going to shift social change or it's smaller ones about which design technique is actually going to drive engagement, You need to test them all as rapidly as possible and be quite surgical in the way that you are trying to figure out what really is the thing that's getting people into it. For example, with my product Energy Lollipop, it's the one I've gotten the most advanced with in terms of my own user testing. It has color. Color is a really big driver for it, but it also has the number of CO2. It has a chart. It has social comparison. It has smiley faces. It has some novelty-based animations. It has a leaderboard, it has badges, it has a bit of a story before it. 
it's got all these mechanisms going on and I'm not really sure which is the one that works the best. Maybe it is that all of them work together, but in the academic literature, often if you put two different mechanisms together, it doesn't work. Like actually having two together will fail. So you have to really try out all of the combinations, all of the different types of stories, all of the different hypotheses, and just test them on people as quickly and iteratively as possible. And you don't need to be diving in, writing a whole bunch of code, building a prototype. Everybody wants to build an MVP, you know, in Silicon Valley. I think you can strip it down way smaller than that, which is that you can build like a community. You can do things on PDFs. You can mock things up in Figma or Adobe XD and test them on people. And you can also do a lot with just building a community. We've got Zoom, we've got Discord, we've got Slack, we've got LinkedIn, we've got Twitter. We have so many softwares already available to us that we can use because primarily what you need to build is a tribe of people who are loyal fans, diehard fans, really committed to the cause. If you can build the tribe of people and you can build them around an ultimate vision, then through that process of bringing those people towards that vision or that goal, you can rapidly iterate whatever it is the idea is. Whether it's the idea or the concept or the app or just these design features, you want to be working on them. So what you need to do is figure out the goal, figure out the vision, figure out the destination, and be enormously flexible about the process in which you get there. And the process could be completely different to whatever it is you, you thought of. And every single person who books me for an idea storming call falls into this trap. They come with this big, complex idea that they want to do. But yet the vision and the destination is not center stage. It's this far off, maybe not really thought about it that much thing. So you want to switch that around and be really in the vision and the destination and be extremely flexible, extremely iterative, very, very like test, you know, test, discard, try again for whatever it is the idea to get to that vision. And this is kind of what I've been doing with the Imagine project. I mean, I've built so many things and launched stuff and written so much software that, you know, it hasn't really gone anywhere because I didn't have the funding or the marketing or just the, the only kind of like en fuel in my own engine to keep it going. But now I really see that the way to launch things is to really work on building that community of fans and building that vision and then between the two things, between the community and between the vision, you can work out whatever that bit in the middle is, that mechanism for how you will get there. Because building a community and building a following, I mean, in my opinion, that's about 80% of the work. People don't realize, like when I wrote my book, people will go, wow, you wrote a book, what a big deal. I'm like, well, yeah, writing the book was, was pretty hard, you know. It took me maybe six months or a year of just, you know, 10 hours a day, just doing it every day. But I mean, the real stretch is really getting, you know, a couple of thousand people to read, especially a book like that, that is like a textbook on UI design. I mean, that's a really, really big job. And I find that with everything I do, it is in the all the tentacles that get out to people to grab those diehard fans to get them involved. And you don't really get people excited about something by saying what it is. You get ex people excited by the vision. So the vision for my book, How to Save the World, is that we can gamify the planet. We can make changing the world as fun as a game. That's the vision. And people are like, wow, changing the world as fun as a game. Yeah, cool. I'm down for that. I want to learn that. It's not behavioral science and UI design for environmental causes. That's kind of like the what is in it. And with the Imagine Project, that is maybe like 10 different practical ideas it could be. 
but it's very, very clear that the vision is a eco-utopian biophilic wonderland. That's our goal. That's our vision. And it can be anything as it, on, our, on our way to get there. And so with your project, you want to figure out what that vision is and rapidly prototype, rapidly test, do tiny tests constantly and do a sense of a, a triaging of all of these different design techniques. And so, for example, when I'm thinking about how to bring in this um, game design principles into some kind of action design, a few of these might be, it might be like, how do we show the data? How do we show it in a feedback loop? Do we use color? Can we use light? Can we use a chime or some sort of audio signal? Do we have a goal for people? How are we tracking progress? Is there an avatar or some sort of creature that communicates the data with its facial expressions, like smile faces, frowny faces, that kind of thing? How are you designing up levels, your onboarding level? How are you getting people on? How are you, how are you staggering people's engagement up the ladder? Are you comparing people to each other, businesses to businesses, campuses to campuses, house to house, apartment to apartment? How are you building groups? People change because they get into groups. Are you treating people like they're individuals, like an island? Or is there some sort of group dynamic? Are you giving people a challenge? The challenge can be time-based. It could be a seven-day challenge, a three-day challenge, a 30-day challenge. You can have behavior charts, pledges, commitments. Are you bringing novelty into it, like animations? Confetti is something that's really popular, really easy to, to bring in. And how are you building a story? Like what is the, the narrative structure of what you are doing? And just little things like star ratings. I always think through, you know, how could we use a star rating on this? And energy efficiency stickers use star ratings and they work great. So these are basically just like tools or materials. It's like you would go into a workshop and there's all these different materials and there's all these different tools. And then we kind of figure out how to put them together. So if you're just working in the approach one, where somebody goes and they build, you know, like a little house or a, a tool out of the <laughs> a thing out of all the toolboxes. And then you're like, everybody has to do it this way. And now we've got to try and get people to use this thing that we made and everybody's into the way that they made it. That's not the, the way to do it. You don't know what it is that people are going to go for. You don't know what the causal mechanism is for change. So you need to be just like constantly trying it out. You've got all these materials, all these tools. Just iterate quickly as much as possible. And don't get so caught up in your idea. Your idea might not even be that good. Just because you thought of it and just because you put some work into it doesn't mean it's a great idea. And that's not a problem because we all have ideas and we can have more ideas. So you want to get new ones all the time, constantly iterating, constantly improving upon the idea based on what people go for. And it's about truly understanding the causal mechanism of change. What is it? Is it that people care about the planet? Is it because people want to join a group? Is it because it's part of their like deeper identity? Like really get nuanced about this concept of an idea is just a hypothesis. What hypothesis are we working on? And then when you test it on people, you'll, you'll get to it kind of like a pressure point in a muscle. And then you'll figure out what it is. And then you can really, once you know what that is, then you just pour all your energy into that. That is what Christian said anyway. So I know, I know what he's saying that I, I've, I've done a lot of this stuff before, but I felt it really clarified for me this conversation about this idea about really having um, sort of hawk eyes or really being obsessed by understanding whatever that that sort of point in the in the muscle is to press on or that very specific causal mechanism and then throwing all your energy behind exactly what that is. And with my, my talk, this guest lecture that I do on 
you know, environmental gamification design. The final slide is, if you've seen it, it says creativity and causality. People think with, you know, game, they hear the word game design and behavior design and they think it's like, oh, let's give people badges for recycling. But it's a lot, it's a lot deeper. I, I don't give anybody, I've never done anything where I give people badges for recycling. But what it's really about is understanding that causal mechanism of change. What really is it that drives people? And it probably won't be because they care about the earth. It probably won't be because you talked about climate change and burning earths. It'll be some sort of social dynamic about, about how people are responding to their group dynamics in some sort of a way. Find out what that is and then creatively augment that. Make that fun. Put all of your artistic bells and whistles on that causal mechanism. And that is how a great project that theoretically should be able to really change the world will come about. That's the end. That's all I got to say today. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested, I do do these 90-minute brainstorming sessions. So jump onto my website, katiepatrick.com. There's a link up the top that says work with me and you'll be able to book a session or send me an email at kp at helloworlde, helloworld with an e on the end, dot com. And we can book something in and we can go over all of these concepts and ideas for your project. So thanks for listening and I will see you again next week.